Actually, Austin, real quick, before you begin, let me shut the story. Okay. <laughs> I'm Austin Lugo. I'm Andrew Harp. This is With Nothing to Say. Let's talk about O Hazar, Bathazar, and EO. Before we get started this week, next week we are going to be watching Nashville. This is a film that's long been on my list. And you've never seen this film either, right? Um, no, I have not. Awesome. I'm pumped. I'm ready for this experience. I don't know why I never saw it before. I think it's just, it was never, it's never been it's like a, on a streaming service. It's never so on it's just streaming. hard to find. Yeah, it's never on streaming. And even though it's considered Altman's like probably best film, seems like. Um, but yeah, um, he's probably like the great American director, just in terms of like, in terms of a, an American director who makes movies like about America, you know, certain slices of American life and culture yeah. and stuff like that. It's uh, he's probably the best. Yeah, I'm ready for some Altman. I'm pumped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. <laughs> This week we watched two movies, uh, which are both about donkeys. Donkey is the main character in both films, which I would have to say that yes. I, I can't say I've seen a lot of movies where uh, donkey is the main character. Not talkie donkeys either, just just regular old donkeys. Yep. <laughs> um. Yeah, they're uh, they're. In some ways, but very different in many other ways. Um, I would argue that um, in EO, Donkey is more a main character than in Balthazar. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah. But either way, we both in both movies we follow the the movie is it it's the movies both movies have the exact same structure. Uh-huh. Um, in that, like, they follow from the beginning until the end, uh, <laughs> the donkey, um, and just the, the its uh, encounters. Um, and uh, I'd seen EO before, but I wanted to watch a Brisson movie, so I figured if we were going to watch Balthazar, watch EO, probably make for a more fun conversation than just talking about a Brisson movie by itself. Um, because when when we went to saw EO at the speed, it was like the busiest like I'd ever seen it, which was kind of weird. Yeah, um, that's baffling. I don't really know I mean, why. Great, but I don't really know why. Like compared to other showings, it was so busy. I guess my my theory is that like it probably ended up on some like best films of the year list, like on the New York Times or oh. the New Yorker or something like that. Yeah. And so like people probably saw that, and then they saw it was like playing at the at the speed, and they were like, oh yeah, we gotta go. <laughs> um that's just that's my only theory i'm not sure why like i don't know yeah i'm not sure why there would be a sudden rise in popularity in it other than what you most likely speculated which it must have just been on some list a week or two before it must have just been in the mind of people or yeah that's the only reason i can think of i mean i don't know the, the... <laughs> I would say the the comp- the most comparable one was several years ago when we went to the speed to see Parasite. Wow. Um, yeah. Now Parasite I get, right? Cuz that had a whole following thing to it. But EO that's a lot more interesting. There must have just been something within the Have you never heard of it until I brought it up to you? I'd never heard of it. Yeah. Interesting. So yeah. And you know, I'm not as up to date on movies as you are but i would say i I keep pretty up to date so the fact that that was so well seen (laughs) it's pretty cool and they certainly didn't show it here yeah i don't know i don't i don't really have an explanation i think it's won a lot of awards as well and stuff so yeah well that's wonderful that's that's really wonderful and having watched both films i can see why these two films together are such a great double feature because they're similar enough, but Balthazar is definitely much more contained. Balthazar is 
I mean, it follows a donkey, but both stars really about a small town and the people who live in this small town and the yes. the different relationships they have with each other. Where EO is really much more about just the an entire ecosystem, right? I mean, it's it's so large and expanding, and EO goes to all of these different places, and I'm amazed truly amazed at the ability of the filmmakers to work with donkeys because i can't imagine that's an easy feat (laughs) they're good actors uh yeah i I will also say like balthazar i think balthazar as a movie is more concerned with like the people and their like suffering and their trials and tribulations i think yo is a little bit more concerned with the donkey itself and hit his suffering and his desires. Yeah, with Balthazar, our donkey is more of a reluctant narrator who's sort more of, of like a representation of stuff as well, of what the characters are dealing with, their, their childhood, their lost or like that. Yeah, he's sort of this reference point in which we experience the world and not just the feelings and tribulations of the individuals, but the community as a whole. I mean, when the community is doing well or the individuals, our main characters, whoever are doing well, like Marie or Jacques or whoever, the donkey is treated well. And then, of course, whenever they're sort of struggling you see the donkey getting hit and beaten and these sort of things and it's a great reflection of that but in eo there's this personification of the donkey and but in both films there's just a ton of shots of close-ups of the donkey's eyes and animals eyes which obviously animals feel emotions and they emote these emotions through their eyes and facial gestures and stuff but Of course, when we're watching these films, it's completely laid on top of the donkey from our perspective, from the viewer's perspective. I mean, it's a a very specific personification, which is a a great representation of film itself, right? We're creating this illusion of these things that are happening. And likewise, because these donkeys aren't acting. I mean, I don't know. Mm I don't know a whole lot about donkeys, but I'm pretty sure that if you told one to look sad or happy, I mean, it's just... It looks like a donkey, Probably right? Too well, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sure you know, it has basic training functions like a horse or other animals, but despite all that, when you watch EO, it feels as if this donkey is sad or happy or angry, and that's just the masterful working of our filmmakers here and being able to sort of create personifications and representations of how these animals feel despite the fact that these donkeys are probably just, you know, sitting around eating carrots, living their life. I would say, I would argue that EO goes a step further than personification. Um, Cause I think like that movie does its best to like look farther than just our humanly, you know, experiences mm-hmm. And like tries its best to go like inside of like the mind and perspective of the animal, which is something we will never be able to experience. Um, hum- I think with animals, especially, I feel like humans like feel like I think humans desperately want to like attribute like human, I don't know, like human qualities or something like that, especially like in movies and stuff that have animals in them. Like yeah. talking animals, you know, how they speak English and sure. <laughs> talk with each other and communicate and stuff like that, you know. Um, but I just think like animals are like aliens that like live on Earth, you know, like we they they speak languages and they do things and they pr- have thoughts and dreams that, you know, we'll never have or never be able to understand. And obviously, like EO is a movie made by humans, so it's not perfect obviously but i don't know i think i think they do a good job at like trying to like i don't know think about what a donkey would want or feel Mm -hmm. um yeah i think it's interesting that in eo the donkey is often juxtaposed to a horse 
I mean, you see a lot of images of horses running and he's often paired with horses and horse stables and, and things of that nature because of the historical context of these two animals is really fascinating because the donkey is this sort of noble creature that has been used in farming and all of these different uh, utilitarian uses, right? For thousands of years, since the beginning of agriculture, we've been utilizing donkeys, but horses on the other hand, while they are much bigger, they're much more majestic, they have been used to a much smaller degree for farming and mostly really have been only used only for travel and even that only for the last couple hundred years so there's something and you see this of course in, in Balthazar there's this holiness almost to the donkey like it's uh, sort of Jesus-like in its representation because it's not beautiful it's not great but it carries such a burden it's it carries exactly. such a high burden yeah, exactly. And there, there's something incredibly noble about that. And this is a very specific to Nevada thing, but we have an incredibly large wild horse population, which is something I've never seen before. Because of course, back in Indiana, like wild horses weren't a thing, <laughs> but it's a thing here. And it's not a thing here because they're native to Nevada. Horses aren't even native, native to the United States, let alone the state of Nevada. They were, they were brought here and the problem is, is that horses, because they're not native here, they don't have any natural predators. And in the yeah. state of Nevada, they're a protected animal. So over the last 10 or so years, the Forest Service and some of the other uh, government agencies have been seeing a destruction of a lot of local environments because these horses are basically just eating all of the grass and they're ruining these environments because nothing can kill them there's no natural predator and you're not allowed to hunt horses here in the uh, state of Nevada so or and you're not allowed the only way you're allowed to take them out of their natural habitat is if someone adopts them which adopting a wild horse is sort of insane because they're not like the horses you see on tv or trained horses I mean these are giant ass wild horses they wrote a whole song about it <laughs> Graham Parsons he wrote a whole song about it and they're they're a nuisance they're genuinely a nuisance I I'm not a fan of horses but donkeys on the other hand big fan of donkeys I yeah, think they're, they're chill great. as they have, hell they have cute. wild donkeys here in Nevada too much more chill wild donkeys are great <laughs> I'm a fan and they said they, they're so sad like in with Balthazar and EO they have such sad in the rest for some reason like they, they got the best donkeys <laughs> these high quality donkeys I mean, wherever they're finding their donkeys they're amazing they're doing a great job i mean i'm just loving these donkeys they look amazing and they're such cool looking creatures like i don't know there's just something about them that's just very chill like they just they're just living their lives <laughs> i'm watching Balthazar because for some reason when I watched Balthazar there's I mean of course there's not really really strong plot to the film and the way there is to EO mm -hmm. I mean EO there's the whole EO uh hero's journey with with our donkey and you get to Wait, see him so you you think the Balthazar plot isn't as uh strong yeah. as the EO one is that what you I said? think so yeah I think the EO plot is not that it, it's better or worse but just that it, it's more succinct i mean the 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 belthazar one to me at least more, it it feels more sort of i don't know i i guess i just see the the eo one is sort of like there's a beginning middle end where you're, you're following this donkey on a journey where even though like there's a it's a series of like short stories about these different people and their lives but in eo they always seem secondary to the donkey story right the donkey's journey kind of feels like the the, ep the epitome of it where Balthazar of course the donkey is sort of just wandering through these lives but in Balthazar it, it feels more of just like a community going through these different situations and you know especially with Marie and and her parents and her interactions with the other people in the community but that feels more like 
a community sort of struggling with this situation where EO is more of this like single person, even though this person is a donkey going through this tribulation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I just think like Balthazar is just like, it really is all about like the drama, like of these mm-hmm. characters, right? Like it's all about like the, the farm drama, which I, I admit is a, sometimes that was a little lost on me. Um, just kind of like, <laughs> like Marie's like dad, like he has this farmland mm-hmm. and like he owns or like bought it from like the guy or something like that, right? Something and like that. It, like there's some dispute with like money and like all uh-huh. this stuff. And but <laughs> Marie's dad is like too proud or like stubborn about it, like uh, yeah. about like not like um proving that he didn't steal money or something like that. And there's like this like lawsuit thing, like a lot of that stuff, honestly. It's not my favorite part of the movie. Um, but, you know, that just serves to kind of like bring in like a conflict, which sure. kind of fucks everything up. <laughs> yeah, they never really get into the specifics of the lawsuit itself. Well, or at least they do. They kind of do, but I don't <laughs> really care all that much. Like I kind of, like, I kind of tune out. I'm like, uh, okay. Like, yeah, I didn't fully grasp yeah. exactly. I mean, I understand that, like, he would bought the land or was given the land, but then... who? It doesn't matter. Who gives a shit? It doesn't like, matter. <laughs> it's just, like, it's just Marie's father is, like, a farmer, and he has his farmland, and he's in a dispute with the, with the father of the boy she used to, like, be in love with when she was, like, a little girl. That's, Jacques? like, pretty much it. Jacques. It? Yeah. Jacques and Marie. <laughs> Jacques and Marie, yeah, yeah. This is the first movie that Anne Wiazemski was in, which I've never seen a movie with her in. She's most known for being in a lot of John Luke Goddard movies. Yeah, yeah I've seen uh, her in a lot I, of stuff. Which I think you've seen more mm-hmm. of than I have. Um, she was also married to John Luke Goddard. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, I've she's seen really also. good. Yeah, she's great. She's like 18 in the movie. Um, yeah, I mean, Balthazar is really all about like the the end of dreaming the end of childhood and uh <laughs> uh the uh, yeah just like i don't know just the end of any kind of hope or the the, the are too i i like i like i like brisson movies a lot i think he's great this is a good example of a movie that if you show to like a regular person, they'd be like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> get out of here with this like European avant-garde bullshit. Cause it's so, cause it does the Brisson thing where everyone just kind of acts um, yeah. unemotionally, mm-hmm. which it, is just yeah. obviously very on brand. <laughs> right. When I turned on this movie, it felt just like one of those mm-hmm. movies that you would be assigned in like a college film literature class. Right. Yeah. Like if you had to watch a movie for a film class, this is exactly what would be on the list because there's just I so much so of too. this that's like, oh, but this is a metaphor for, you know, blah, 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 blah. Which, I mean, for better or worse, it's still a very enjoyable <clears throat> film and has great moments. No, it's still but... an amazing movie. Oh, yeah. I love but it. But I could, much. I could see people's complaints about, perhaps everything being a metaphor for for something else and all this you know sort of avant-garde maybe too big for its britches i can understand why some people wouldn't enjoy the film maybe it feels a little pretentious to some people i don't necessarily feel this way about the film but i i understand that perspective like if i had if emily watched this movie she would think it's a, a very pretentious film which i get i don't agree with but I understand that perspective because there is a lot of sort of references to things happening. And people instead act of... weird. They don't act normal. They don't yeah. act how the, <laughs> the, the they don't act. People in the movie don't act like they would normally do, like in any other movie that people have seen mm-hmm. normally, like from like America or Hollywood. Like Hollywood movies, like people do not act like this. You know, no. and it makes sense. Like it's not like the most entertaining thing to watch in the world. Um, if you're trying to watch a movie about, you know about where funny things happen or sad things happen or or angry things you know it's like it's not it's it's kind of and that's why like i like brisson a lot is because like he kind of runs uh he runs against the grain of what you would normally expect from uh, cinema entertainment yeah absolutely and 
there's something about this that feels very early French New Wave, even though it's sort of later in the French New Wave, or even sort of inspired by some of the Italian neorealist stuff, like Bicycle Thieves, just in the way things are shot, of course, first of all, which is like very long takes, following people around, right? A lot of, a lot of pauses, everything happens in this very sequential order. And I mean, I'm, I'm loving it. I, I, <laughs> no, I really a movie. It doesn't feel it. too French new wave though, because when I think about French new wave, I think of like something that happens like in the city, like in Paris or some shit like that. Like that's kind of like the first thing that comes across my mind. So I don't know. I don't know what like Brisson thinks about that stuff. Um, you know that specifically, but I don't know. When I think of Brisson movie, I think of something more like in the countryside, which they typically mm-hmm. are. I think. Okay. Yeah. I mean, this is definitely the epitome of the countryside. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all about yeah, it's like farms and and the people who live in the countryside. I mean, you got the the good girl and, and the bad boy Gerard, who's you can Gerard's you know he's cool. a bad boy because he has a motorcycle. That's very sixties, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That kind of makes sense. I imagine that, that to me seems kind of realistic that even in the French countryside you would have like gangs of like uh, leather jacket dudes. You know, sure. like, that kind of that makes sense to me. Um, yeah, yeah. There's something almost Americanized about Gerard. I think maybe it's like the radio or the leather jacket or well, that's like the sixties thing, but... right? Like the rock yeah. and roll sixties, <laughs> rock thing. and roll, yeah. maybe. You know, you know, actually, uh, Anne Wiesemski. Uh, mm-hmm. She wrote, um, I don't know if she wrote or co-wrote it, but she wrote this, um, uh, a movie, um, a, a movie by, um, um, that was directed by um, French director uh, Claire Day, who's great, um, called U.S. Go Home, which is kind of about that. It's like, takes place like in a suburb in Paris in the 60s, and it's like these like, friends like friends who are girls and they're like young teenagers um and they want to have like sex and stuff um and they love like american rock and roll there's this great scene where like i think one of the girls brother is like in his room and he's like listening to like rock and roll on the radio like in the 60s and stuff um and they like go out and they go to like a party and it's it's you know it's kind of similar to balthazar's kind of like a but it happens a across a single day it's like a like a movie about kind of like the end of i don't know innocence or childhood or dreaming or whatever you want to call it and uh it's a really good movie honestly um but it's not widely available but she wrote it so i could kind of i could kind of see like um her like you know what she was 18 in 1966 so i mean like her childhood was in the 60s so i can kind of see where maybe she's coming from with that movie and uh this movie kind of has similar themes and ideas as well yeah i always found it endlessly fascinating to watch films about american culture by non-american filmmakers specifically non-american filmmakers who aren't shooting in america so of course this was a very big thing in japan so a lot of japanese directors had a lot of films where especially when we were talking about like 1950s 1960s where the sort of americanization of the japanese culture takes place or you see this a lot in German films, pretty much really a lot of the European films post-World War II from like post-World War II to the 1960s. Because there is just this big influx of Americans in these cities and places as there's sort of the, the reconstruction and uh, all of these films where like American citizens basically have bases there. And it, it's this very sort of surreal right. thing and, and watching well, these that's sort of- that's- yeah, you just go home. They like pick up a guy, <laughs> um, an American guy from a like a military base or something. Or no, 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 mm-hmm. the, the opposite. A guy is from a military base is driving and he picks up the girls. Oh, okay. They're yeah. Driving. Yeah. It, yeah. I think it's the thing that I find about it so interesting is I'm watching it from the perspective as an American. So there's sort of like this weird it's kind of like out of body experience almost right where you're kind of seeing your own culture or your own world from this other person's perspective and how they see you and and then of course on top of all that typically 
these films are typically of the the era of the 50s and 60s so then you're layering on top of that just the you know that these films are now like 50 or 60 years old so also kind of the culture shock of the moment and it, it just creates this very almost imaginary surreal sci-fi-esque almost experience sure. and it, it's yeah it's kind of weird, weird. It's, there's a what's the word for it it's when like something's just like slightly off like it's i can't think of the word i'm thinking of right now but there's something about it that's just off-putting in a good way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Pathosar, it has a little bit of that. Um, I think in a bar scene, they're listening to jazz music, right? I think I feel like Europeans and Japanese people really love uh, jazz music, so that's also something that I feel like Europeans and stuff like that. Which yeah. I love the bar scene. I love when they destroy it. <laughs> Great. Gerard is so angry. I love so I love when Gerard goes in yeah, there sucks. and and he's so fucking mm-hmm. angry, which Gerard's not a good person for a whole lot of reasons, but uh <laughs> when he goes in there and he starts like breaking mirrors and smashing yeah. bottles and all the kids are just like dancing like they don't react at all. There's like yeah. no reaction. <laughs> because this is the Brisson movie. <laughs> that I don't react to anything going on um yeah but it's good it's good I like it it is, fun. It is very funny I, I laugh at it and uh and uh yeah the, that that character is very, like yeah shitty character um kind of he kind of ruins Marie's life by the end yeah. of the movie kind of like um, but she's like attached to him, sort of like throughout the movie for the most part, because it's like thing, right? Like you're hanging out yeah. with the bad boy. It's cool. Like, what else are you gonna do in the <laughs> countryside? I guess. Yeah, I guess there isn't a whole lot to do in the countryside fifty years ago. I mean, not like there's a whole lot more to do now, but. I think part of it is sort of the just teenager thing of rebelling against your parents because their parents obviously hate Gerard for good reasons. And and then on top of that too, I think there's something about just sort of how people are often drawn to abusers because they themselves don't feel whole. They don't feel good enough. So, and it's a very human thing. It's not like a thing that only some people have, right? It's it's being drawn to sort of this pain and suffering because for whatever reason, you feel like you failed. And so you feel like you've deserved this, which in this case, Gerard <laughs> treats her in a, in a lot of ways in which uh, she feels like a failure and uh, it doesn't work so well for Marie. And, and speaking of Marie, Towards the end of the movie, she's stripped and, and beaten and all of these things. And then she sort of, they, they say she's she's gone. I wasn't really sure what that meant. Like, is she, like, sent away or? You think she just left? That's a good point. I guess maybe it's meant to be. That's a that's an interesting point. I just thought that she was like she's had enough and left. Um. So I guess. Uh, I guess. Yeah, it's. Good point. I think it. it... Yeah. Part of me thinks, and and this is a total extrapolation. I I have no idea if this is this theory has any relation in reality to the film or what have you. But 
just thinking of sort of the era and, and the culture of the era that perhaps she might have been sent to an, an institution, an, an asylum, a mental asylum. Because like, because like, yeah, the reason I think that and she didn't just leave yeah, is because of the, the father's grief after she leaves, which of course partly is just like what happened to her, but there's the um, sense of sort of finality it to her it leaving. Like she just left the countryside, my... you know, and maybe that, freaking, that is the case uh, where she just left the countryside. Again, but... It feels like whatever. Anyway, there's like no way what she can come was... back. Like when there's that, that short conversation. That, yeah, between like the mom, the mom says shock. like she's gone and it feels like come back. Whatever. So yeah, I, I, for some her, reason I thought like she maybe left no because that coming was maybe back, like right? She's gone for good. But I can never see her again. Totally right. And maybe it is just like she left the countryside and never came back countryside, but to me, I sort of read that as she's been put in an institution or even, I don't know. I mean, I'm complete speculation here, but it feels as if whatever happened to her was perhaps not necessarily her choice. Like it, she was forced into some situation and, you know, there's some something about it in which she can't come back. Yeah, it's the most punished movie character of all time. <clears throat> definitely up there it's pretty intense but she likes balthazar um you know once again like they have like balthazar at the beginning and i think too like on the event where i think this right at the beginning of the movie it's like marie's sister which i think then adds to like the grief of the father and like in like kind of like the why he acts the way that he does, right? Um, so it's like that layer on top of it as well. Um, and you know, of course, she too like refuses like uh, like proposals from uh, Jacques, right? So yeah, it's just like a lot of like uh, like miss like connections and opportunities, and you know. Uh, all of it like all the suffering feels like very unnecessary but it's just kind of like tantamount to like the human experience <laughs> i guess yeah absolutely there's this great line early in the film that i'm, I'm trying to look up now to see if i can get it right because i'd like to i'd like to say the line correctly if i can find it let me see Maybe I won't be able to find it. No, it's not on here. Anyways, there's this great line when Jacques and Marie are talking early on in the film. And Jacques is in love with Marie, of course, and Marie's not really in love with him. And and they're talking about the, you know, what love is and how do you know that you love someone? And Jacques says something to the effect of, you know, the great thing about love is that it it just is, right? It's not that it doesn't really matter if you know it or you it just like if if love is there, it's just it's there, and of course the line is said much better in the movie. I'm screwing up the line, but it's it's a very beautiful moment because this idea of love not being this thing you act upon, right? It, love isn't this thing that you create, but rather love merely exists in the world, and you are part of this world and this love and this love that you have someone while you act upon the love, the love is already there, right? The love was always there for that person. And it's not something you can escape or change. That love is just there. And the only question is if you act upon that love or if you don't act upon that love. It's beautiful. I guess, but Maria completely disagrees, right? Like she's completely like um, unreceptive because she's like a hollowed well, yeah. out person. <laughs> Probably adds like, yeah, she's like a hollowed out person, like, like right from the beginning of the movie essentially and she is just kind of like like kind of like going for you know like for all these like different things that are happening to her and stuff and yeah she's completely unresponsive to the speech um and probably in the scene or whatever just about like um you know she kind of i think talks a little bit about you know uh um kind of like kind of like the idea of the movie or kind of like what the movie is like kind of about which is like um you know it's easy to say those things 
like when you're a kid, it's easy to feel that way when you're a kid, but I'm not anymore, you know, like, and like, like reality is much different. Yeah, for sure. And and of course, Marie and, and Jacques are also in very different circumstances. I mean, Jacques, well, we don't know as much about his family. He seems much yeah, more rich, yeah. More well off than Marie's family who's going through this constant, yeah, <laughs> this constant struggle. So there's also sort of this classism, elitismness that Marie sees in Jacques because in Marie's mind, she's forced to live this specific life and sort of the the Maslow hierarchy of needs, right? It's you know, sure, when you when you have everything that you need, you know, love is is the only thing that that you need, but for Marie, I mean, it, it's much more right, essential. She needs the, the essential things in life, and she has to constantly fear for her family's well-being because they are in these sort of stringent circumstances, which are worsened by the fact that her father refuses to give in. Because as they point out, like six different times of the film, they're like, look, dude, if you would just like say whatever needs to be said like did, it would be over he, and it would be done and, basically you know, everything would be had, fine but he, he has to stay right like, he right? did everything right that he didn't like he has to like basically say and prove that like actually like he didn't take or steal anything but he but, but being accused of it he can't stand right <laughs> yeah yeah, that accusation basically leads to his ruin, not because the accusation itself is so evil, but he refuses to act upon the accusation because in his mind, by refuting the accusation, it's sort of a, a form of guilt. And he feels right, he's above having to react to this accusation because he knows in his mind that what he did was right. Therefore, he shouldn't have to defend himself but because he doesn't defend himself <laughs> he kind of screws himself over yeah it's just kind of um yeah it's just it's just you know it's a really frustrating uh sequence of events to have to uh, watch yeah <laughs> But Eo's guys own well, I just want to say real too. quick something I mean, about the end of Balthazar. This poor donkey. I do think like the ending, like he fucking dies at the end. Like they yeah. the 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 gang takes him and they're gonna use him as like a mule to like uh like uh, get across the border and uh, like custom guards like shoot at them and they shoot at Bazaar and then mm -hmm. he like um flies down um or gathered around. Um he's like in like a gathering of sheep. Um yeah, I don't know. That like ending is very. Uh, I was thinking like the Brisson endings. You know what I mean? The Brisson endings are so good, like the pickpocket ending and the man escaped ending. They're so good. There's there's even though like Balthazar like sadly dies at the end, there is like kind of a, like a release, like a feeling of release at the end. Yeah, and and of course again with the lamb, there's something very biblical about that whole scene. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure in, in what way. I mean, I know like the slaughtering of the lamb is, is this big thing in the, in the Bible and all of that, but it just feels very holy and, and him being surrounded by these sheep does feel sort of like a, a release, as you said, kind of sort of similar to, again, as, as we keep talking about the, the death of, uh, of Jesus, right? There's this, it's, it's this terrible moment, but at the same time, it's also kind of this this release from from sin and evil and, and Balthazar in this way as he is yeah. sainted, right? He is a saint at this point. He's sort of released from the, the pain and suffering, which is not the case with Eo. I would argue yep. Eo's in it. Both donkeys die uh, in both movies. The, the donkey dies at the end of the movie. <laughs> but this one feels much more satisfying is not the right word because you, you don't want the donkey to die but in Balthazar it feels there's this sort of as you put it being at peace at one with the world as it were as if you know he's from dust to dust he's going back to nature he's going back to 
the wild, which is another interesting part about about these films, right? These are wild animals, and over the last couple thousand years, we have domesticated them, right? We've turned them into this specific type of creature, which is kind of weird and bizarre. But at the end of Balthazar, right, he he goes back into the wild and he's around sheep. And even though these these sheep are are also domesticated, right, they are farmed. There's this sort of freedom to it. And you see that in EO too, right? You see the wild horses running around, and like he, like has, a, he, he has like a desire to it. be out in the wilderness and all of these different things. Like I feel like the the when you, when they show the shot of like the red and black flickering light and the 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 horse running around that thing. I don't know what that is. I feel like that's a I feel like that's a dream that EO is having. He has dreams sometimes. Whenever yeah. like you see something that's very out of place, weird, um, I like to think that's him dreaming. Like the skiing scene or the robot. Yeah. I like that idea. <laughs> yeah, that robot scene is a weird one. And <laughs> that happened like right he after totally he gets that, but I like the idea. So the like, idea that he's sort of yeah, yeah, I remember. Oh no, Alfie. Yeah, Eo, Eo's got a tough life, man. These people really beat on Eo. At least when people see are mean to actually hit him like they do in Balthazar. Yeah, things were different back then. That's true. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> different times. I love, uh, I love the black and white uh, photography in Eo. Those are some of my favorite parts of the movie. I think. When it gets like really and like them and there's like metal music and stuff, I like that a lot. That was great to see in a theater. Those shots. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. I bet there's. I mean, there's just some really beautiful moments. Very visually stunning moments, which I mean, you have to be when there's not a whole lot of talking, or rather, when dialogue really, just isn't. No a priority in the film right dialogue's kind of second dairy to the, the story itself and yeah and i love i mean eo's you know he's in love he, he just wants to be happy he wants to be with his with his person but uh alas yeah he's constantly moved around from place to place <laughs> i've never seen a donkey travel so much i mean he's he's I truly like in a, poland i guess not a world traveler yeah. but at least uh traveling across the country yeah. Yeah, Poland. <laughs> it's pretty cool, though. You get to see a lot of different parts of Poland. I mean, you really get to see yeah, very what this country is all about and yeah, what it looks like. I mean, I, I haven't seen the whole. It is. <laughs> yeah, they get really into football. Really I've never seen people so into or in America soccer. <laughs> There's some really funny moments in this movie. Not like funny in the sense of like the dialogue yeah, itself comedic. is funny but just situationally it's pretty comedic at some point it's kind of yeah. bizarre which feels purposeful um, yeah <laughs> yeah i uh yeah i i i i like uh, i like when, uh, when uh, eo runs and he makes the shelf fall that's a funny comedic shot uh, yeah funny. um yeah no there's more like comedic stuff in it than uh compared to balthazar that's definitely an aspect of it that's a little bit more uh um <laughs> there's definitely an element in there compared to balthazar um but like I, I, all of it lands pretty much For sure um i i think i think too like the the eo thing is fun is interesting because when he escapes from the uh, farm because the owner she like sees him and they meet each other. Mm -hmm. Um, she's like drinking and stuff, and then she leaves. He and then yeah. Eo escapes. I feel like from that point forward, like it almost kind of feels like Eo is like walking in on like other movies. This is especially um when she like he like walks <laughs> in on the uh, Isabel um uh, Hooper uh uh, uh scene. Yeah, I feel like it's like from like a two hour movie of some sort. Yeah. And that's like a movie she would be into. Yeah. It's just... Right? <laughs> I, I thought that was really great. Yeah. It... I think what's so great about those moments is... I mean, of course, they're right. They're short films or these stories. But 
as you kind of put it, they feel like part of a larger story that we're somehow just getting like a glimpse of. Like they don't feel like we're like you know, this we is walk in the middle of, in, but rather that there's a full like yeah. hour and a half movie. Yeah, like we just walked into a movie theater, right? <laughs> and we just saw, which is great. I I love that. I mean, that's a very challenging thing to do well, but that's exactly what we get to do time and again. Like my favorite story, I guess, yeah, that one's from crazy. this whole thing is the one with the truck driver. I love that one. <laughs> yeah, he's like taking like that did not go the direction I thought it would go. Here when I saw it, it's like, he's like taking EO like on a truck, and then he stops at a gas station, and like a, a woman is like, um, um, like he like follows, she follows him to his truck and stuff like that, and he's like giving her food and stuff. She's clearly hungry or whatever, and he's like, okay, no, and then she like leaves, yeah, and then he gets fucking like throat slit like out of nowhere. It's like very surprising. <laughs> And like, oh, okay. And that's like, and that's the end of that story. Did like, I... so, like it, 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 that one just ends before it begins. That's the really. end of his story. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. There's so many wonderful characters in this film. I mean, yeah. it's so populated with all these weird and interesting people doing all these weird and interesting things. And, and like you said, it, you never get this sort of any resolution to them. I guess the only one you really get a resolution to is that truck driver, even though like you don't know yeah. why he was killed. You're not really sure what for. It's just someone walks up exactly. and they kill him. Yeah, like, <laughs> and like that's it. Yeah. And then just on yeah, to the again, next character. Like, he's completely um, <laughs> contingent upon the perspective of EO, which Balthazar, it's the same thing, but I feel like EO takes it even more literally where you, you really only occupy the spaces and places that like EO is at least like in a vicinity of. And then once he leaves that vicinity, you're like out of there for good. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love EO's travels. I love all the different characters you meet and animals and so many wild stories. I love the Isabel Huppert stuff. It's all just so wonderful and so just many different genres that we kind of grab from and it feels like there's all these different techniques that we use to kind of be in these different films and the, the, the beautiful visuals whenever EO is just like walking around so like of course there's that shot which is the poster right where he's walking like by the waterfall or whatever that means beautiful shot just so much amazing all of the stuff they shoot sort of in the countryside and in the wild as it were is is wonderful and it looks like a very yeah. beautiful place and you also see different seasons too right you kind of see like the snow and the winter and then you also see like the the summer and and fall and yeah. it's it's, and it, uh, it's all just very lovely um yeah i was gonna say like um i think that um it's a pretty, I don't know, it's a pretty effective animal, like, I don't know, animal rights movie, I guess. <laughs> like a PETA-type-ass movie, I guess you could say. Uh, it's pretty good about that. Especially, yeah, but, whoa, okay. You know, it, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, I don't hurt, kill, or maim any anim animals in the movie, of course, but... I don't know. It definitely like this is a very like late period movie, by the way. Skolomowski directed it and he's like very old. He's been making movies like for decades now. Um so it kind of feels like I don't know, like a movie about like that's made by like an old guy who's now discovering his love for like animals or something like that. And like wants to like advocate for them in some kind of way. So he made like this movie, I guess. Um which but it's not like a political movie, really. Once again, it's like a very like um once again, I just really like that it's like a movie where he's trying to like understand like the perspective of the animal and like go inside of his like brain and in his mind as best as he can. Which is still imperfect because he's still like a human, you know. Yeah. Like, but he's not a donkey, <laughs> you know. So he's not a donkey. But I still I still appreciate the effort and it's a good effort too. And I think it's a it's a it's a moving movie. It's a very moving effort up until when he fucking dies. Which I don't know, like if you if you're like if you're doing cattle, if you're like um pushing yeah. cattle along to get like um uh to be slaughtered and like a donkey suddenly appeared 
I don't know. Would, wouldn't you just be like, what the heck? It's a donkey. It's not supposed to be here. Or it's like, maybe it's just like I a... <laughs> yeah. I love how nonchalant... Like, every time, not only at the slaughterhouse, but, like, wherever EO is, everyone's just most part, nonchalant yeah. about this donkey. Like, this donkey's just showing up places, and they're just like, just, oh, there's a, the, the donkey. A, like, they're just like, the oh, village. okay. Like, this he's, is just there, There's that one scene where he shows up in the empty village, and the animal control people mm-hmm. show up, like, out of nowhere. Like, I guess there are like, yeah. instances where they're just <laughs> like, oh, cool. But yeah, with the, with the slaughterhouse, it's just like maybe it's just like oh, it's like extra, you know, like maybe it's like finding like a like an onion ring in your uh, like it's like when you order French fries and you there's an extra onion ring in there <laughs> that like fell in. Maybe it's like saying we're just like oh, it's like a, 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 a an extra animal, free animal that showed up. We can slaughter it, whatever. I guess they make oh, salami. Yeah. That's what Which they keep saying. They keep saying really donkey so salami. Like that ever in so my entire I, life. I guess. Is that like some Polish thing? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've never had donkey before. It must be a Polish thing. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if donkey meat really is that all that appealing. I mean, I, I eat meat. I, I will not deny the fact that I eat meat on a very regular basis and I do not. This movie has not stopped me from eating meat, but I will say I am obviously not properly. No, I will. Uh, you don't eat meat. Yeah, that's because you're you're a better just, man than uh, me, Andrew. <laughs> I'm kind of like I adopted more of a vegetarian diet lately, um, but I've always done that for a while. But I decided not too long ago to do the vegetarian thing again. Um, but put me chicken occasionally. Um, just because my partner they eat meat, so um, so I'll have like extra, some like bits of chicken here and there, but uh, um, I mean I don't I don't put like a moral equivalency on it or anything like that. It's fine. It's just chicken. Whatever. It's just chicken. I mean, it's fine. It's just the chicken. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've had the. Impossible I, I like the impossible chicken, chicken a lot. And burgers and stuff. And honestly, if it wasn't so expensive, I think it's good. I mean, honestly, like the impossible burger. It's, my my problem. It's definitely the closest thing I've ever had. I, I, to, like, I like the impossible chicken. Meat. I mean, it may not be a lot lately but... because I discovered a really yeah. good brand, like the Kroger. <sighs> my problem is that there is like I like fast food, you know, nice. which is something you don't really eat. I think, right? If I'm oh, not. Yeah. when i was eating meat i found myself like eating a lot of fast food because i have to be out and about a lot for work so i like the impossible even though the impossible is like not like the cheapest thing in the world compared to just like buying regular chicken it is like cheaper than like getting like fast food like you know whenever you know like it's sure so but yeah yeah i feel that yeah for sure i mean Obviously, I'm very much against the sort of types of slaughterhouses that you see, especially out here in the West, like in Idaho and in a couple other states where like they'll put like a shit ton of cows or animals in like a very small space. Like, that's not cool. We don't need we don't need that. But I'm not I'm not morally against eating meat. I just think that there's a way to do it. And and you see that here in Nevada, like there are humane ways, right, to raise these animals and for them to eventually be slaughtered. Like there's there's ways for them to live long and happy lives in which they, you know, they get to graze and, and walk around and live their lives. And then they they become me or, you know, we drink their milk or what have you. I'm I'm all for that kind of, uh, you know, humane meats sort of, you know, in which we're not, putting them in these sort of terrible environments, which I've driven past <clears throat> quite a few of them. And they're, they're just these, I mean, they're, they're truly like these horrific looking places where you just have like a shit ton of animals in like these small confined spaces. And it, it's, it's miserable and, and awful. And no one should really, you know, no animal should have to be put through that. And so, but, but that's a very hard thing for like, 
like as a consumer, right, it's a very hard thing to control because <laughs> that's that's much more sort of on the the, the end of the wholesaler and the, and the distributor and stuff. So, you know, for my end, that, that, that's a much harder thing other than, of course, advocating in, in a variety of different ways for the humane treatment of animals, which I'm not sure why that's a thing we have to advocate for. Like, why isn't it just like an obvious thing? Like, uh, <laughs> sure why it requires advocation, but I advocate. And the movie does too. And the, and that that's, that's right. pretty much the movies. <laughs> that's the movies. Go first, Austin. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Okay, so. Obviously, in a lot of ways, these are very different movies. I mean, very different time periods, very different filmmakers. What, what brings them at the core, of course, are our individual donkeys and how they perceive the world and, and their perception of the world. Persona, I've seen quite a few films of his and I've loved everything I, of his I have seen. He is a magnificent director, just very beautiful filmmaker, some amazing cinematography in this and a lot of his other work. I love how stale, I suppose is the right word, the performances are, how just blank-faced everyone is, and we're forced as viewers to sort of put our own emotions onto these actors. We're forced to sort of live their lives for them because they don't give us <laughs> the reactions themselves, so we have to kind of layer on top of what we see and, and it forces us to sort of be more engaged in these films than a lot of films. And Marie is just such a, a broken character. It's so heartbreaking to, to watch her experience the world as she does. And that sort of ambiguous ending where you don't really know what happens to her, but you do know what happens to Balthazar, of course. He's, he's killed and yet there's a sense of relief and it, it's such a strange sense of emotions that goes into it which is a little bit different than EO because while EO is also visually amazing and beautiful the emotions feel much more at the forefront of that film I guess like Brisson's a lot more vague in what you're supposed to feel and there's kind of these conflicting emotions where EO it's like these are the feelings you're going to have and you have them and they're very big and they're very intense emotions and you feel a lot for EO as he's going through different situations and you, know, you, you fall in love with EO and when he hurts, you hurt and there's these big moments. And of course, at the end, like the moment you see him walk up with the cows, you, you know exactly what's going to happen. At least most people who, who know anything about farming, like the moment you see him walk up the cows, you're like, oh shit, he's in the slaughterhouse. Like You know exactly what's going to happen. And, and watching him wander along with those cows, like that long extended scene where he's wandering around like you know exactly what's going to happen and and he's kind of like on the edge and you know he's kind of hesitant he's behind all these cows it's as if of course again right we're putting our own emotions on top of eo but it, it feels almost as if like eo knows that he's walking into a slaughterhouse because the cows they got no idea what's going on right they're just going forward but eo it feels as if he knows something right the, he knows that something's off he knows he's not supposed to be there and while they don't show it that last moment we cut to black and then you hear the shots it hits it hits hard so <clears throat> both these movies i'm gonna give a strong eight out of ten i feel this way i do kind of wish like you was a little bit longer i probably could have done another 20 or 30 minutes in it it's kind of my main complaint with that movie is that like actually a little longer it is but yeah, I pretty much agree with you. They're both similar, but very different. And, uh, very different filmmakers, times, places, Poland, France, modern 60s. Um, and it's just, just uh, the, the use of the animal it, um, makes sense very well in both contexts. And I think that um, I don't love two just really great, beautiful uh moving experiences and much Thursday with you. Uh I would also give them both an eight out of ten. All right, y'all. Thank you for listening. You can find everything I do at Austin Lugo one two. Um box at Andrew Zero Andrew. 
And you can find this podcast wherever you hear podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram, TikTok, or YouTube at With Nothing to Say or Life Through Fiction. And thank you all for listening. Thank you.